0: Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran.
1: All right, we're rolling. What's going on? Welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for tuning in, audio, video. I am Patrick Moran. I am joined as always. For my Tuesday show, by my good friend, noted hockey creator, author, podcaster, sports media personality,
2: my friend Joe and What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Doing good, Pat. Doing good. It's um, it's been it's been some fun times lately, dude. It's been uh, a little busy on my end, which is nice, even though the Sabre season is ended. It's been busy for lots of other stuff. Although you know, I don't know, I think I think some of the breaks just got thrown on. <laughs> thrown on the other night thanks to uh thanks to the rivals to the north but yeah it's uh it's been it's been good man that's cool man i uh
1: i gotta warn you now and indulge me for like four to five minutes all right this has got nothing to do with sports we are going to talk plenty of sabers like we always do today's topic is um might the sabers go big game hunting at goalie there's a specific goalie that was written about today we're taping this monday i kind of want to get your thoughts and break that down as well. Maybe some Bill's talk. We debuted a segment last week called uh, Make You Choose, where I give you two options related, and I force you to choose one or the other here. Um, We'll get to all that stuff in just a few minutes. I got to tell you, though, I'm doing something right now that I've never, literally in my life, 52 years now, I've been alive. I've never fasted in my life, ever. Oh. And I am attempting to do something right now. That's kind of a lot of people think I I tweeted about and they said, I'm nuts. My friend, John, a good buddy. I got to throw a shout out to my buddy, John. He did a fast, uh, and this is an extreme one. Last week, Monday through the end of Friday, 120 hours, five days, literally nothing except water. That's it. No dark coffee, no nothing, no food. Nothing except the straight up water for five days, 120 hours. Take in the morning, you take a, an electrolyte pill, uh, like a couple, you know, multivitamin pills. So you get yeah. some of your nutrients in your first glass of water. You put some pink Himalayan salt in there and you kind of mix it up, get a little bit of nutrients with that as well. But yeah, man, he- five days. He completed it. I wanted to see if he could do it first. Um, he did it. He said the first two days were really, really hard. And then a guy got it got kind of in, it was zone and it got easier actually, but he, he did it five days, lost 12 and a half pounds in five That's days. That's crazy. Now, let me say this, Joe, I want I, I, my primary motivation for, for doing this extreme fast is I do want to drop some pounds, man. I, I'm not going to try to deny that, but it's more than just that this is also supposed to be on. And I read the article that he gave me. It's mm-hmm. kind of like healing your mind and, and your body a little bit doing this extreme fast kind of resetting your mind resetting your body my biggest thing isn't like how much i weigh when i get on the scale how like my lifestyle is when it comes to to food and and the drink and quite frankly it's it's terrible it really is not drinking like alcohol yeah i go out i go out maybe once a week saturdays is like my day to maybe throw back a couple with the boys Mm -hmm. that's about it you know Besides that, I'm not out drinking and, and hanging out, and stuff like that. It's just the day-to-day I drink in an excessive amount of Diet Coke. Like I drink more Diet Coke than Donald Trump drank in the White House.
2: You know what I mean? He was famous he drank for that. More than time. Mike Francesa did when he was on the when he Yes, was yes, air. Oh, Probably,
1: man. probably. No, no jokes. And this is kind of well, I'll call myself out here. I probably drink close to a two liter a day on average of Diet Coke per day. Um, I shove junk food in my mouth all the time. I'm like a binge eater. Like I'll be good. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll be like, I'm going to have a good day and I'll start out good. I'll eat a good breakfast, good lunch, you know, healthy stuff. But once it gets like post dinner, I just become an animal. I shove everything in my mouth, man. It's just any piece of junk I can find Mm -hmm. in there. Chocolate, chips, cookies whatever. I work part-time in a restaurant, which makes it even worse. Cause I have access to some free, good food yep. and, uh, it makes it worse. So anyway, I'm just trying to reset myself right now. I'm trying to do this extreme thing and then I'm gonna have a fun weekend. And then I'm going to kind of transition into no more pop. I want the pop. Like this is a one-time thing. The pop, I want to be permanent. No more soda, no mm. more pop at all. Because again, I just can't do anything in moderation, which is my biggest problem. Yeah, that foods, junk foods fine. when You do it in moderation. I just don't do anything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Hence why I'm doing an extreme fast instead of just doing one or two days. But um, I don't know, bro. I'm so I started. We're taping this Monday. I'm only like seven hours in. I'm not worried about being hungry. Uh, I I got a baby bladder as it is. I, I told <laughs> you I might not make it do yep. the show without having to pee. It's the <laughs> caffeine withdrawals that I'm worried about the headaches that I know I'm going <laughs> to get because yep. I drink so much pop. And when I'm not drinking pop, like I'll go through stretches where I don't drink pop for a couple of days or maybe even a week. Mm-hmm. I drink coffee, lots of coffee. And I'm not mm-hmm. doing, you can't have any coffee either. So I don't know, man. I might be, well, we're taping this early enough. If we tape this late tonight, I might've been really
2: irritable with you. <laughs>
1: like you said something. <laughs> I'd be like, what, Joe, what the fuck you say?
2: <laughs> so. Dude, the, that whole thing with, um. Like the electrolyte supplements and things like that, because I've I've I used to use these uh, like thirst multiplier or like hydration multiplier. Sorry, thirst multiplier. I don't need more mm. reasons to drink more water or whatever. I used to I used to use these things though, especially when um, you know I was laid up after surgery because I, I was like, well, you know, it's you know it's hot as hell out. It's you know the end of yeah. July, August. Like I just you know not not doing anything physical. It's like well, I got to keep drinking water, and I figured, well, these things will make it better. What I didn't realize was that these things have thir- like, it was like th- 20 to 30% of your daily allowance of sodium in them. Like each packet had it. And I was like, yeah. dumping these things in like two at a time in like a 30, like in this mug here, like 32 ounce mug. And I was doing these things like two at a time. Cause it's supposed to be like, you know, one for a 16 ounce bottle, two for 30, like whatever. And I was doing these things and then. I noticed my like legs were swelling up, my feet were swelling up. I'm like, what the hell is this about? Like uh, what's wrong with me now? Like what like well what's happening? And my doctor goes, like, what's your sodium intake intake like? And I was like, I don't know, it must be fine. And then I was I was going through and I was like, I haven't changed my diet, I haven't done anything. So I looked at finally looked at the label of these things and saw how much sodium was in this. And I'm like, oh. Well, I'm done with that now. So, like whatever was in the cupboard, I just threw it right in the garbage. I was like, I ain't taking this anymore. And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, everything was was basically back to normal. Doctor was like, Hey, so how did everything go and I go, Yeah, it turns out I was basically eating a truck truckload of sodium every <laughs> day, drinking a truckload of sodium every day because it was like it's supposed to be like healthy, like electrolytes, whatever. But like you're supposed to be working out, like you're losing the yeah. salt when you wear it, you sweat them out, like whatever. I was only sweating because I was sitting, sitting in my hot ass apartment and just like high on pain pills. Like that's, that's all the sweating I was doing. I wasn't doing any working out. I was just, you know, doped up and, and high. But man, like that, that change for me was like, it's, it's so hard to, to, to like just flip a switch and just go with it.
1: But you're good with drinking water. Like every week when oh, we yeah. have this show, you're constantly drinking water. See, I literally never drink water. If you watch this show, I always have a mug. Mm-hmm. and it's like not visible it's not clear like you yeah. have a water bottle that you're using right now my shit's always got pop in it always oh. or 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 crystal light which is better than pop yeah. but it's not it's not it's,
2: still it's not idea mostly water i mean it's it's, to, it probably it doesn't have sodium and i don't think that stuff has sodium no it.
1: it's but it's just, got like no. that fake sugar like sucralose stuff yeah, like that so i mean yeah. and again i do things excessively so when i'm not trying to drink pop i'll drink four cups of coffee with zero sugar in it, mm-hmm. but still too much coffee and too much just, and again, I just, I, I can't stop myself from getting in these bad eating habits. So anyway, I, I'm trying really hard to do this. Um, and part is to drop some, look, if I can lose 10 pounds right away, and I know as soon as you eat, like these extreme diets work, like you'll lose 12 pounds immediately. Mm-hmm. And then you have two meals and now all of a sudden you gain oh, six yeah. of it back. I get that. So, but if I can net lose five or six out of this, but more importantly, just get into a better habits now, you know, maybe five days of no pop and just eating better out. My goal is to like, be good during the week, like intermittent fast during the week going for not five days in a row. I'm just talking about, you know, just on a day for, you know, eat for six, seven hours yeah. a window, whatever, and then enjoy the weekends. That That's my goal, man. I'm finally starting to take my shit serious. I actually went outside today. It's a Okay, spring day out. Yeah, it's May fifteenth. It should be goddamn nicer. But anyway, <laughs> I actually took. I don't know it's if really you can see this out on here. Out on. I, you can't see it well, but on my phone, if you're watching on the video side, I took a picture of my street. I actually, I got a nice long street, and I actually walked yeah. up and down the street with earbuds on, listening to music. First form of any kind of exercise, I probably have gotten mm-hmm. like literally in, in weeks, if not months. But anyway, yeah, I'm I'm doing that shit. I did tweet about it, and I'm kind of getting. I don't want to say dragged a little bit on Twitter, but certainly people are like, you know, that's extreme. That's nuts. You know, people are they were like, you know, one, two days, three max, whatever. Yeah. Try to do five. We'll see what happens.
2: Say, people are natural born haters. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, what you're doing is. It I, is I'm extreme. Just, I'm only
1: doing it one time too.
2: I, the, the fact that your buddy lost 12 pounds, what a week. A two yeah, weeks, a month or whatever it was. No, five days, five
1: days, Jesus. five days. He lost 12.6 pounds and John's not like, like me, I'm a, I'm a chunky dude, man. I got a mm-hmm. big belly neck you know, face. John's a pretty fit guy to begin with. And he still yeah. lost 12.6 pounds. And again, I, he did it. He said, he told me too. He said he did it more for, the, again, it's like, kind of like resetting just your mind and you start to realize the emotional dependency that we all have uh, on eating. It's kind of like an emotional reaction, something when you eat a lot of things. Yeah. And he said, going those five days, kind of like reset a lot of things for him. And he feels, he feels really good so far anyway. And again, I'm only seven, eight hours in and I'm ready to strangle someone. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah. The thing with that, like I, they always, I mean, yeah th- it's always said that if you lose a lot of weight early on that, like that they're like well it's water weight you're basically just sure unloading the water which i'm like well if you're putting in gallons of water every day yeah you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're gonna be like adding water weight and then putting it off but um but putting like you know pink himalayan rock salt into the water and that's only know, once a day in I, the morning it's there's so many parts to that it just seems like nonsense to me. i uh, i but, agree i mean listen any of these like anything that's like promising a quick quick change something to like kind of give you an ego boost like whatever i mean it's maybe it's okay in the meantime for your mind where you're just kind of like all right we're making progress here but then the second you eat like a normal dinner and then you're back up five pounds and you're like what the hell yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. I, your body is going through a giant shock to the system that you're <laughs> like not eating anymore and you're just drinking water and adding salt and stuff and then your body's like oh oh, we're eating again. Okay, well, let's add everything, like put everything right back on because- I agree. It's, it's just a
1: little, if if your only goal is to try to lose quick weight, it's just a short-term little band-aid and that's yeah. it. It's going to cover up a wound. That's a long-term, you have to eat better over the long-term or, mm-hmm. or exercise more, do little, you know, whatever you got to do to consistently, you know, lose some weight and keep it off. You can't just do this little quick thing. It's not, it's more than just that. Too. Last thing on this topic too. I also feel like it's a, a mental challenge. Like, yeah. I know my friend did it, so I know he, he it could be done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like kind of like mentally, can I do something when it gets hard? You know, when yeah. I want to eat, I want to cave, I want to dump this water in the sink, and I want to, you know, go grab a, a Diet Coke or, a, yeah. a, you know, a, a drink of Crystal Light or something like that, or a, a big cup of coffee. It's yeah. kind of like a mental i physically, I'll be all right. It's like mentally, am I strong enough to be able to to do this? So I'm kind of testing the limits, um, in a radical way, I guess, too, with myself. But I don't know, man. We'll we'll see how it turns out. I've never even tried anything like this before. My, my goal, like I said, is to drop a couple pounds and just lead into future mm-hmm. better overall eating habits. So I don't know. We'll see what happens.
2: The, I'm uh, I like that you're approaching it from a nutrition diet sort of standpoint because I I've. I'm now at the age and I'm, my body is disgusting. Like, uh, I, I know people are going to hear that and be like, no, be nice to yourself. I'm like, no, I am being nice to myself actually. <laughs> um, but like, I'm, I'm now in that targeted ad group on like Facebook or Instagram where they're, where it's like, I mean, let's be honest now I'm 44. So yeah. there's that, there's that going into middle age, middle age, middle age crisis, all that nonsense sure. but um but now i'm getting shown these ads where it's like it's for some workout app where it's like easy lazy workouts for dudes and then you've got some dude on there who's like the most ripped santa claus you've ever seen in your oh life. yeah
1: he's doing yeah. all these
2: things and like this guy's got like a 12 pack never mind six pack abs he's got like a 12 pack The guy's a freak like good for him awesome he's like however old i mean the, the guy's got the whitest beard i've ever seen in my life but like you know hanging out tan and shirtless in his house, just doing like Mm -hmm. these workouts. And they're like, in 30 days, you could lose uh, tons of weight. And I'm like, guys, guys, (laughs) I know just doing these simple ass workouts is not going to do the job. Right. I, I know like if it was, you would not be able to get me on the show. Anymore because I would just be on on the floor in my apartment doing dumb, stupid workouts all the time. <laughs> because it was that easy of a fix. Boo, buddy, I'm in. Like I am in and I am ready to go. But it's not. No, it's and not. also like you know because I get curious, so I got to check out. Okay, what's this app about? Like what's going on with this thing? And it goes through this whole thing. It's like, oh, he, okay. Here's your weight. Here's what you're doing. Here's what it is. Blah 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 blah. You get through it, and you're like, okay. Here's your workout program pay $89.99 a month to find out what it is. I'm like, no, guys, I'm not paying you $100 a month to give me to tell me to do like three crunches for 30 seconds, you know, like three sets of crunches for 30 seconds a day. No, I'm not doing that, guys. That's just <laughs> not how, how this is going to go. I think I could figure that out on my own, which if I did, maybe I'd do it, but I don't have the mental capacity to do it, so forget it. I, this is hilarious, man, but yeah.
1: Look, I lose, drop a couple pounds, feel a little bit, but it's part of it's vanity. I'm not going to lie, but also part of it is I just, I want to feel better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's enough uh, diet talk with <laughs> middle-aged fat guys, Pat and Joe here. Let's, uh, <laughs> this is a, so we're taping this on May 15th. By the way, it's my mother's birthday. So I should probably wish my mom a, a happy birthday. Not like she's yeah. going to be listening to this anyway. I but know. um, you never know. two anniversaries on this date, May 15th. One of them, cool. One of them, probably not so cool, if you're a Sabres fan anyway. If you're not a Sabres fan, you probably would get a good kick out of it. First, mm-hmm. a cool one, and I didn't know this until actually just minutes before uh, we, we sat down to tape this show. Today, May 15th, is the 25-year anniversary of the series finale of Seinfeld. Oh wow! Twenty five years has been since that show ended, and time flies. Sometimes when you think of when you think of time in that way, doesn't it feel like it just freaking flies? A quarter of a century ago was the finale of Seinfeld,
2: I'm not ain't it? Uh, it is because I remember exactly where I was. <laughs> <Do> you? <laughs> I, I, yes, I was. I was if like right at the end of my freshman year of college in North Adams, Massachusetts, and myself and like a couple of my buddies were like all about watching it. And then we watched and the whole next day, we just bitched about it. We're just like, what What was that? Like, what's going on? And it turned into like this whole like lunchtime, like for a week straight discussion talking about like, what was going on with this? Like, and, but like more in the frame of mind of like, wow, they brought back all of these people to basically dump on everybody. And it was like, wow, that was awesome. cool. But also like, I don't get it. Like that wasn't the way it should end. And then You know, that was that was like the precursor to having like a like a series finale, it's over with that everybody will still talk about for ages. Like, I don't know if people are still talking about it now, but like it was like in the moment, you're just kind of like, Really? They're getting set up for this. Like, okay, like I guess. But then you know, when you look back at the whole series, you're like, Yeah, no, this makes complete sense. It makes sense for the show. For the oh,
1: yeah, the way most series, if it ended that way, you'd be like, Come on, seriously. You know what's (laughs) funny? Well, it's true, too honest to God, dude, I didn't watch Seinfeld much when it actually originally aired in the nineties. I was not a big fan of it. Jerry Seinfeld annoyed me. I thought the other cast was good. Like I always loved Elaine. I love mm-hmm. George. I didn't yep. like Jerry though at the time. And I watched it very sporadically. Like I knew of the show. I watched a little bit here and there. It, just, right. it never really grew on me at the time. It wasn't until in fact, when I was in Florida, over these last five years, I think it was like maybe 2019 or 2020, one of those two years, I actually finally binged it from start to finish. And I'm like, wow, it's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And even though it's like, it's dated, not as much dated as like Cheers is, where we kind of talked about this briefly last week during that Make right. Me Choose segment. Cheers just doesn't even seem watchable anymore because it seems so old school. This yeah. the way people behaved and everything. Seinfeld feels more modern now. like. My you know, maybe twenty might be a little bit younger, but mid twenties, early thirties. I think you can sit there and binge this right now and really enjoy it. Where I, you ain't doing that with Cheers. Well, at
2: least I don't think you are, anyway. Yeah, it, I, I, it I doesn't you feel to too. The greatest located. hits of Cheers. I think you could. I think if you did the whole thing, that's. I mean, that's right. A- a lot of episodes that's a lot of tv to watch so it might wear you out but like a greatest hits like compilation of cheers episodes Yeah, i think i think you could a hundred percent watch that and be fully satisfied i think i seinfeld i think seinfeld i think you could watch the entire thing there's only like a handful of episodes where it's just kind of like ah eh, i don't need to watch that one anymore for right. Seinfeld. i think there's way more episodes where you could watch it and just be like oh man this one. Oh man this sure. one. you're just going like that forever yeah um Let me ask you a question. Have you watched It's Always
1: Sunny in Philadelphia? Have you been a fan of that show? Mm -hmm. Okay. I've compared Seinfeld to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in one way. It's, and this is why I think Seinfeld is like some people might say it's a, you know, a regular network sitcom and it's not innovative at all. Mm -hmm. I kind of disagree because if you think about it, there's four friends and what do they always do? They basically treat each other like shit, right? Like they always throw each other under the bus. Mm-hmm. You know they treat each other kind of like shit, like they're friends, but it's like, yeah, yeah. It's always sunny. Philadelphia is like much more radical, and you know, oh, yeah. and, and and adult oriented <laughs> and <more> modern. <laughs> right, right. Much more evil and shit like that. But I'm saying, you know, it's that group, and you mm-hmm. know, they're they're some well brother sister with D or whatever and Frank. But point being is they're friends, and they completely treat each other like shit all the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like Seinfeld kind of set that bar. When it comes to comedies for like uh an ensemble of friends that just weren't good to each other, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, no I listen, i it's it's a weird it's a weird comparison because Sonny is just such a raunchy I feel like it's it's raunchy, it's mean sure. it's mean spirited a lot of the time, it's kind of yep. nasty, kind of yep. gross other times, like just a lot of it is just kind of like, oh man, these guys suck, like especially anything that Dennis does is just like. <laughs> that why. like he's what a piece of shit but i like, love that show though oh my god it's but it's such a it's done in such a way that you can take none of it seriously right like, you can take you can take zero parts of that ser- not that any comedy you can take seriously but at least it has to be grounded in some semi sort of reality sunny is not not like not in any way like shape or form is that grounded in reality seinfeld at least you can you can like, i mean you know the fact that Jerry's a stand-up comedian living in a you know a giant apartment in New York City is kind of like eh, I don't know, man. I don't know how it works. Or you know, <laughs> Newman living in a giant apartment as a postman. You know, like all that stuff. Right. But like the real-world stuff aside from that, like you know the stuff at the time. Um, at least Seinfeld, you could be like, yeah, I could see people being like this. Sonny, no way. No No. shot, man. No, no. Like (laughs) if you had a group of friends that treated each other like that, somebody's getting murdered. Yeah. At least one person's getting murdered.
1: Yeah. Or you just, you don't take any pride in yourself because you let your friends, you know, treat you that way. But yeah, man, it's a, so that's a a significant anniversary again, Seinfeld being one of the biggest, most Mm -hmm. popular TV sitcoms of all time. That's one anniversary sports related probably going to bring back bad memories for, for Sabres fans for damn sure. But on this date, as we take this May 15th four just four years ago, the Buffalo Sabres hu- not fired. The Buffalo Sabres hired Ralph Krueger to be head coach four years ago on this date. I don't know if I, you know, I want to ask you, does it feel like it's been that long? Does it feel like it's been a decade ago? Does it feel like it's been yesterday? I don't know how to, how to um digest this information, man, but it's like I do remember I'm not gonna lie, you know it's easy to play armchair quarterback now i, I did not I was relatively excited about the hiring at the time, obviously oh, yeah. it was an utter disaster yeah. Yeah, bro
2: four years ago today joe man uh, that that's in the perfect time frame of recent happenings of stuff you know you know world life wise where it's it's Mm. it it, it happened very recently but feels like it was 20 years ago you know like that 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 whole time and it was 2019 to like what spring 2021 that's how long he was around for and it feels like it was an eternity ago but then you think about it and it's like oh right yeah it was st patrick's day 2021 where he got fired and you're like oh that's barely two years ago that feels like it was ages ago like everything about I mean time slowed down for a good part of that like you know the month of March in 2020 lasted about nine months you know in everybody's frame of mind but like that whole thing like I mean I remember that that time I remember well I remember writing you know and I this is me feeling bad for Phil Housley on the you know on the back end of this feeling bad for Phil because we all knew he was getting fired but he, you know, they let him, you know, they played it out and me writing a story for the athletic, looking at people who might, might take over for him while Phil's still coaching the team. So I felt like I felt like an ass for doing that. Sure. And then uh, I think it was at some point either right before, or right after that, where Phil called the Sabres soft in a postgame press conference. And then it's like, well, start printing up the pink slip now because he's out <laughs> But then, like, looking over, like, I, I think back to that list of coaches on there, and I remember I threw Ralph on that list. Ralph was one of the, co- one of the coaches I put on there because his name always got thrown into stuff. His name always got mentioned because he got a raw deal in Edmonton. I remember. And I was, I was like, why not? Like, it's, he's outside the box. They need an outside-the-box guy. They've been going, you know, kind of back, you know, backlogging and picking up some of the old, you know, retread guys. But thinking back, they didn't really do that too much really because like phil wasn't a retread guy he was a new first time head coach but um but they needed somebody who was a different thinker and then ralph was definitely a different thinker turns out he was a different thinker for all the wrong reasons <laughs> and it just didn't like that i mean his first year with them seemed like hey maybe there's something's gonna happen here and then the second year it was everything all all wheels on every car of that train came off and it just careened off a mountain like it was it's remarkable. It's it's crazy to think though that that was four years ago. It, it, it crazy really feels like it was a hundred years ago.
1: It there was a point, and by the end of Kruger's tenure in Buffalo, you were you were regular on this show. I mean, I was having you on yeah. a lot, and I vividly remember that probably in my lifetime of being a sports fan of like you know, I got my teams. I got my. I, I'm the Bills. I'm a Bills fan. I'm a Sabres fan. I'm a Notre Dame guy. Yankee guy, those, and the, and I'm a Knicks guy. Those are like my five teams. I have never, ever in my life hated a team more than I hated the Buffalo Sabers. True. By the end of the Ralph Krueger era, I mean I
2: literally despised them. I hated them. You I, I try I, them every time we talked. You're like, all right, we got to talk Sabers. I wanted to train the whole what's going Kruger. on, and then you just like walk away from the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I, did, like,
1: exactly. I, 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 I I hated them so much. I really did. I wanted to trade them so bad for an NBA franchise. I I'm not gonna lie to. You, I still might do that even today, and I like the Sabers again. But anyway, yeah, it was you just only say it. that because
2: the Knicks were doing were doing pretty well for a bit.
1: Yeah, the Knicks were. And I was gonna say if there was ever an organization or a time I should say that that would rival how I felt about the Sabers with Kruger. It's a couple of years with with Dolan owning the Knicks, who I still think is the worst owner, maybe in all of sports except for Snyder who's just selling the team. So he he's, he's going to be out soon. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's just, man, what a, what, I just, it just feels like sometimes it feels to me like it was a long time, like way more than four years ago, but then there's other times it feels like I had you on the show six months ago and we were talking about how bad Ralph Kruger was. It's just unbelievable. The, the stunning that he did in the progress, the guys like Skinner, what he did to Skinner and the development of rest was Stalin. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's almost hard to fathom right now. Yeah. That it's oh. uh, funny,
2: oh. funny Ralph. Well, it's, it's not funny. I mean, it's, it's, but a Ralph related note. We all knew that he came over from being a, a uh, chairman for Southampton soccer. Like everybody, everybody's a like, oh, soccer guy coming to do hockey. Never mind that he did hockey all before that, but like a oh, soccer guy coming here to do that. Blah. And I remember at that time trying to talk to people at Southampton because I was with the athletic and I was like, let's find like, what's the deal with Ralph? Let's find out. Let, let's, let's get an idea. And nobody at Southampton wanted to talk about him. Like, literally, no one. You know, I've talked to our, our Southampton correspondent, and he was just kind of like, he's like, listen, I'm trying to help you out, but like, they're not going to give anything up. And I'm like, it's a little weird. Why would they do that? And then it turns out, uh, Looking back, there were some stories that were around that basically it was, it read like Ralph was in this. Here's a Deep Simpsons reference. He read like he was Lyle Landley trying to sell the monorail to Springfield, where it was everything that he said about Southampton was almost word perfect for what he was saying about the Sabres. Fast forward to now, this past weekend, I think it was this past weekend, uh, Southampton uh, is going to be relegated to the second league in England. Now, this is many years after the fact, but that starting with that management under Ralph, things went sideways very fast. Now ownership changed, all this other stuff changed with them. But like, that was the point where things started to go down the mountain for Southampton. Now, it, like they've been in premiership for like 20 years, whatever it is, but now they're down. Now they're going down. Like they're the first team to go down out of the premier league this year. And it was like, well, Ralph's fingerprints all over that one because <laughs> only shit. And it's like Sabres, Sabres. Yeah. I mean, not that Sabres were ever going to get relegated, but like, they were in bad shape. They were in really bad shape when they let him go. Everybody wanted off the team and everybody wanted out. And look where things changed now. So just thanks, Sabres fans. It could have actually been way worse.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, a member FDSE. All
1: right, I am back with Joe Yurden from Noted Hockey, which by the way, I finally learned after you've had this, uh, after you've had a Noted Hockey for quite a while now that you don't actually have to type substack in if you right. want to go right there. Just NotedHockey.com. That will do. Go check it out. Five bucks a month. Can't beat that. All right, so there's an... Uh, I don't want to call it a rumor yet, but the athletic put out something on Monday and I wanted to discuss this with you. It appears the Buffalo Sabres, at least potentially might go a uh, big game goalie hunting, Michael Russo and, and someone else put this out and I apologize, Eric. So I, I can't remember who the other person Eric, was
2: Eric DeHatchik. Hatchick.
1: Yes. yes, that is him, Eric. Um, They put out a piece about, you know, potential players that might be traded and Connor Hellebuck was one of them. And I want to read again for people who are listening to this on audio. I got it up on the video side. This is an excerpt from the article. It says, Hellebuck is one of the NHL's few true number one workhorse goalies. He won the Vezina in 2020 and is a finalist again. How much is he going to want on a long-term deal? Currently making $6.16 million, He can command $9 million plus on the open market. Can the Jets stomach that? If he becomes available, don't be surprised if Buffalo... And New Jersey take big swings. One thing we've heard early this offseason is that the Sabres have interested in Hellebrook with the belief that a genuine number one goaltender could be the last remaining piece in turning them into contenders. Getting one would also allow them to hold off on turning the reins over to Devin Levi until he's proven to be NHL ready. The Jets would want young team controlled assets in exchange, and the Sabres have plenty of those from a youngish goaltender in Ukapeka Lukinen to promising talents like painting Krebs and even Casey Middlestat. That's the excerpt. It feels like a lot to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this guys he's an eight-year veteran, seven years as a full-time starter. He's going to be turning 30 years old actually later this week. So he's mm-hmm. 29, he's turning 30 this week. Um, like the article mentioned, he's a Vesna finalist this year, probably not going to win this year, but um, great stats this year. He did win it in 2020 and he finished uh, in the top four another time as well. One year left on his deal. Um, what are your thoughts? Let me start there. What are your thoughts when you read this from a Sabres perspective? And you know how national people are compared to local. You are in that locker room every mm. single day during the season. Does this seem like something on the surface to you that could make sense?
2: Yes, it does. Um, f- looking for for a, a number one goalie is something that Kevin Adams is kind of Kind of done the last few years. Uh, you look back at, what was it, a couple of years ago, he had some interest in John Gibson in Anaheim. And this is before, I don't know if that was before, or right after he had acquired Levi in the, you know, the trape of Florida. Even at that point, you're just kind of like, well, he's a you know, seventh round goalie, like, you know, whatever. We need, we still need a guy for the future. Now, I know the catch here is that everybody loves Levi. Everybody's anticipating he's going to be the guy, which I believe the team also agrees with that. The Problem is, is that this team's got to be a playoff team next year. They have to like they're, they finished two points out of it this year. You got to be in there next year. You know, you've built on all this stuff. So you need a guy that you know, absolutely can take you further and perform better than, you know, everybody else did last year, Uh, which I know the snarky reply is like, well, anybody could do that. I know, I know, I get it, but. Hallabuck is a number one with a bullet. He's he's an elite goaltender, an mm-hmm. elite, elite, elite goalie. Um, he's you know the, the 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 work he's done in Winnipeg with some teams that either couldn't score or they defended really well, and then you know couldn't score on top of that, and you know kind of forced him to you know give up fewer than two goals a game for them to, to be able to get by, and also play sixty five games a season which is a, it's a lot it's a lot of action um it means he got i mean if you look at the way winnipeg closed out the season he had to carry them on their shoulders the last few weeks to get them back into the playoffs they were really high up in the standings they were fighting for first place in that division for a long time and then mm-hmm. he hit a wall because he was he had to play every game like <laughs> he had to play every game the backup was marginal at best. So like you couldn't rely on him. Play like 64, 64 games he started yeah, this year. It's it's 64 start, probably 64 games, I imagine. I, I don't think he came in to take over like jump in for replace right. the backup, but um so I mean that's a lot of games. It's it's a lot of games. Guys, goalies don't play that many games nowadays, usually. Um, but he he's had to because they didn't have a shot to win if he wasn't playing. That's gonna be a little different if he goes to Buffalo because Buffalo can score. <laughs> now, the, I think the catch there is that uh, how well will he do in a system that's a little, is a lot more wide open uh, than what they played at Winnipeg? Uh, I think that's a fair question to ask because Rick Bonus's system is really defensive, extremely mm-hmm. defensive. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't care about much of that, to say the least, because this guy's it. Like he, he can get it done. He's great. He's a great goaltender. And he, he, like it changes the position from one where you're like, I don't know how this is going to go next year to being like, we got a guy. Like you, like you feel good about the position at that point. Like you're not even thinking about it. You're just kind of like, all right, who's our defenseman? That's, that's going to jump into the mix. Like you stop thinking about goaltending if you add him. Like you just, it's no longer a worry. It's no longer a concern. And it suddenly becomes an area of wealth because Levi's going to be your backup pretty good yeah <laughs> pretty good levi and hellbuck would be a pretty damn good tandem uh I, de- I mean you know again assuming levi hits where he's supposed to hit um but like it, it tells me that the sabers don't want to throw everything on levi's shoulders which is smart i've sure. said this from the get-go you, like i know you want him to be the number one you want him to be the guy for the future i get that you can't you can't throw it all on him right now when you have to Make the playoffs next year. I know people are going to be like, ah, oh, well, you know, if they get close and you know, whatever. Like, if they get ninety-five points and just missed out, blah blah blah. Like, you can say that in the off season, but then when the reality hits, you could be like, why did not they make it? People were that right. way this year, and they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. So sure. I mean, you know, Hellebuck would would change a lot of conversations because this division is going to be a meek. It was a meek grinder already this year, dude. I, I who knows what's going to happen with Toronto? We don't know uh where Boston we don't know we don't know what's going to happen all i know is that those two teams were the top two teams in the division Tampa Bay well they get an extra month and a half of rest yeah they're probably not going to lose a lot of people they're going to be probably nasty again next year um and then you look behind them Ottawa well if Ottawa need, Ottawa needs a goalie if Ottawa gets a goalie they're going to be pretty damn good Montreal uh Montreal's going to get more mature um they could be a tough team next year Florida Florida might be in the Stanley Cup final. I keep forgetting to talk about them. (laughs) They've just they ran over Boston. They ran over Toronto. Like They're pretty damn good. So, I mean, the the division's going to be wicked. And you have, like, goaltending sticks out so hard for this team as something to fix up that adding a guy like Hellebuck changes that conversation completely. You, You no longer worry about it. And now you start talking about where in the top four can Buffalo finish in the division because that because that they have the offense that can do it. They, they had a top five offense in the NHL. You had a goaltender that can stop everything and change. Jesus, I, I I don't know what his war was. I, I I goalie war is a weird thing, but I don't know how many more wins he adds as opposed to what they brought. But whatever it is, it's a positive amount. <laughs> it's definitely missed more the, playoff, than, miss the playoffs. the playoffs by two points. I mean, right. so, so if you, if he changes the discussion by like three four three or four wins, maybe. That's a huge swing, man. Sure. Like that's that's six, eight extra points. And you're talking about a team that's got 98, 99, maybe a hundred points. That's a huge difference. Let me ask you this though. So part of the problem, I, I mean, it's pretty, it's accepted.
1: I don't even think it's debatable that Allabook is, is eight would be a, a huge upgrade. You know, the, mm-hmm. he's your number one goalie. There's nothing to discuss. The, yep. the guy might, you know, he's not going to, but he's a Vesda finalist again. You know, he's mm-hmm. one of the best goalies in the NHL. There's not even a, a debate with that. But you look at his contract, which the money's not a big deal either. Who cares what the money is when it comes to the Sabres right now? But he's only got one year left on his contract. So I guess what I'm asking you too is if you're going to trade for him, is there like different levels of compensation you're willing to give up? Like if you're getting a guy for, and and he's willing to resign or extend for, you know, he's going to be your goalie. He signs a two-year extension and now you got him for three years. Mm -hmm. Does that open up the vault to potentially give up a guy like maybe, uh, I don't know about Middlestead. I hate even saying that, but you know, maybe, uh, um, some good draft picks like a first round pick, something else, maybe even an Isaac Rosine, you know, that's a guy that you've mentioned as a potential, Mm -hmm. you know, good trade chip, obviously Olison, but I I think they, I don't think they would be interested in that because the article mentions cost controlled type Mm -hmm. players that they would want. But anyway, that would be for somebody that you're going to get for three years, four years, at least three for sure. I, what are you willing to give up? Like, let's say that this is true. And the jets are willing to listen to offers the Hellebuck and the Sabres are interested, but you don't know that you're going to be able to sign it for an extension. Like wh- how far are you willing to go in terms of what you're willing to give up to go get a guy like
2: that for potentially only one year? Well, here's, here's the problem. If you're talking about extending him, and people are going to be like, oh well, he will be 31. Ah, you can't ask for that much. Right. Sergey Bobrovsky got his seven-year, seventy million-dollar contract signed at age 31 as a free agent. So mm-hmm. there's your bar—like <laughs> ten million a year for a goalie is your bar. If if we're you know for you know keeping everything in check, Bobrovsky won two two Vezinas. You know we get it. Like he's he's on a heater right now. That's unbelievable. Like sure, it's you know it's all these different factors where it's like, yeah, that's that's probably where the money comes in because that's that's what the goalie that's what the goalies cost. I think that's an immediate non-starter for Buffalo. I, there's no shot. There's no shot. They're going to pay only right. $10 million, no way, no how, no shot. Um, if, if you're going into it, knowing that you're just going to be su- playing them for one year to get you over the hump and can maybe buy a year so that Levi gets to learn from him. Right. Yep. Lay behind them, get, you know, 30, 40 games, maybe like whatever the deal is. It, it probably probably like 35, 30, 35 games is what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. um if that's what you're going into thinking about it and like that's that's all winnipeg cares about in the trade they don't care if you're going to sign them for forever after that they don't give they don't give a shit right it's, it's right, easier, right right right. You left on his deal whatever your your problem after that that cost i mean it's going to cost you a like that's automatic Lukinin, or i mean comry i guess although i don't that doesn't make any sense but um but it's going to cost you Lukinin more than likely um a first rounder Who else you give up i mean probably a first rounder which i think at this point you can live with it for buffalo i think this year is probably the last time they're going to get a pick this high up at 13 to be able to add one more juicy piece to the cupboard but if you trade first with winnipeg and just you know slide down a few you know like another 10 picks or whatever you know whatever winnipeg's picking at yeah whatever who cares fine like you don't care about that the player is the bigger deal uh, i think if it's middle i mean if they want a proven guy who's who's cost controlled then like middle stat makes a ton of sense he's he's evolved he's he's a very good player now and he's you know he's making whatever he's making now and then he's still an rfa after this i think it's next season at the season next season whatever it is like they can pay him whatever figure it out on your own that's their problem um but if they want younger, I mean, you got a bunch of housing. Krebs. They mentioned Krebs, 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 Krebs is interesting because I think the idea there for Winnipeg would be that they can add Krebs and play him higher in the lineup than he's playing in Buffalo right now, and think that yes, that will work. Um, which I mean, hey, it probably will work. I mean, this he's going to be a much better player again next year, and he was already really good this year, but he's going to be much better next year. Um, but you want kind of a proven commodity you don't really want to go for a roseanne or even a savoy like savoy played in winnipeg like he, they watched they probably saw him play up close more than a few times but you don't know what he's going to be at the nhl level like you know what krebs is going to be you know what middle stats going to be like you you get it the, the catch is is that the sabers also know what they are and they have an idea what they are and they're already pieces on their team like that's that's where the pain comes in and, and trying to make a trade like that but is it impossible to make that trade No. It is not like Sabres sure. have enough ammo for trades to to trade for literally anybody. Like if there is a big enough fish out there where they're like, like Connor McDavid wants a trade, if Buffalo wants to get him. Well, they can cough up everything in the world to make it happen if they wanted to. They're not going to do that though because they've got right. Thompson, they've got Dylan. They, they're fine. Like you know, they don't need to do things like that. But Connor Hellebuck, change your mind a little bit and say like, all right, well we've got the pieces you're looking for. He's only got a year left on his deal, so we're not going to give you the whole farm. But, you
1: know... We'll if if Winnipeg it. if Winnipeg calls you on the phone and, and and you are Kevin Adams, and you get to make the decision, Joe, and then they say, all right, I'm going to give you a hella book. You're going to give me that first-round pick. You're going to give me UPL, obviously, and you're going to give me either Krebs or Middlestat. Are you making that trade? Hmm. No, you don't know what the future's going to hold. You might only have right. them for one year. You might be able to resign him. them Give him big money for two years. But when you mentioned uh, the long-term deal, if you're Hellebook, I don't know. You probably got one more really good contract in you after this mm-hmm. one. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So he might not want to sign just a two-year deal or an extension. Mm-hmm. No, no. He
2: wants max. I would, If right. i bet anything, he wants either if he's getting it on the market, he's getting seven. Or if he gets it with where he's staying, he gets right. eight. Either so way, you know, he's, he's getting max because he's thirty-one. You're not going to take a two-year deal at 30.
1: Absolutely, though. and you're Kevin Adams now, so you know all this information, and that's the offer you're mm-hmm. giving me. UPL a first, and either take your pick, stat or Krebs. I want one of those two guys. Are you trading them for for a hella
2: book? I think, I think you can. It'll hurt, I, but I think you can because then you're because I look at it as as how it affects your lineup as is. You give up Krebs, you give up stat. Okay, that's one of your. You know, middle six center winger types because they, both guys have played both sides. Krebs is better at center. I think middle stats, I think middle stats as good at center as he is on the wing. Honestly, I saw enough both positions to show that he can handle both. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're looking at down the road, and you know, Adam said he doesn't want the team to get younger, but like, are you, does he, is he comfortable giving up Savoy? Probably not. Is he comfortable giving up Oslin? Probably not. Maybe um, Kulik? Hell no! Like that's not happening. Rosane probably it would hurt him a lot to do that. So, but it, it, the, the fact that you move one of those guys would open up a spot painfully on your own roster to get one of those younger guys also back in there. Mm-hmm. That that makes it that makes it that softens the blow of of moving one of those guys. And I think that's what a But like that's why you have all these players you have all these prospects you have all these young guys so that if you do move one to get a big piece that you need yeah it sucks maybe that guy becomes a great player wherever wherever else he goes but you know you're getting you're getting the guy that you believe is going to be able to take you to the next level to take you into the playoffs to win you rounds in the playoffs and go for a cup like hellebuck is Hellebuck's pretty close to being that guy that t- sure. that can take you deep. I, Winnipeg's a weird team because they've had they've had some great offensive players, but they didn't score any damn goals. and you know they they lacked a lot of uh, depth with you know at, at all positions. but Sabres team seems to have a lot of depth these the positions that Winnipeg didn't have. they play a different kind of game. so it's it's really tempting. It's super tempting. i, I and I'll say this for hellebuck I, I think I do it for Hellebuck. Yeah. I think I'd do it for UC Saros. I Soros is not a guy that's coming up in those conversations, but I would do it for him too.
1: I um, I don't feel informed enough. I don't know enough to, to really have a, a strong opinion on if I would do it. But I would say that I would project that fans probably, it would be close to a split, but I would say fans would lean towards being against it. And part of the reason is, seeing how good middle standing and and krebs looked last Mm -hmm. year at times and also a sample size but i I think people may be a little bit too oversold now on Devin levi based on Mm -hmm. what we saw at the end of the year they might be like you're gonna give up you know all these these good prospects or a good young player for a goal and we got a number one goalie we already have one why do we got to go trade and give up a lot to give one i could see at least some fans feeling some sort of way i would probably and again, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know their pipeline. Well, I know the players. I know their names. I read, I read other people's opinions and kind of form my own. I don't watch them with my own two dies or anything like that. But maybe I would, if, if Oslin was the price instead of Middlestad or Krabs, like if it was Oslin of first mm-hmm. and, uh, and UPL, then I think I would do it. And I don't know I, a lot about it. I of think other-
2: I would sign that paperwork you? instantaneously.
1: Yeah. Once, yeah honestly. Sure.
2: And that's not a knock on Oslin, Oslin. I mean, he's a first-round pick
1: just a year ago. I mean, right. so he, he probably has some appeal. I would imagine, anyway.
2: I, he absolutely does. Um, sure. So, but you know, it's. I mean, he's a center. He's a true center. So, like, if you're going to trade out a center, you want to keep a center. But like, Savoy's a center too. Sure. Like, it, it, I mean, he's, Savoy's probably going to be better on the wing just because of his size. But like, make it work. You can make it work. You have the you have enough guys to make it work. It'll be fun to to
1: monitor this, and it's also it's fun that a premier goalie in the league. That the sabers have arrived to the point that they can even be even somewhat connected to a goalie like that who can help you like you said get you over that hump and get you into the postseason next year mm-hmm. it'll be fun last question and then i want to talk about a couple other things here let's just say that they don't get a let's just say that either he doesn't want to come here or he says i'm not signing a long-term deal to come here or he just doesn't want to come here, or the Sabres just aren't willing to pay what Winnipeg is asking for, and someone else is willing to pay more. So for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. Without naming a specific, and maybe you know, over the next couple of weeks for free agency and stuff like that, we'll hit on a couple other alternative goalie possibilities, but do you see them potentially trying to trade UPL and having a more veteran goalie to maybe split the load or maybe even play a little bit more this year than Devin Levi? Do you see the Sabres having... A different goalie combination to start next year other than levi and upl yes
2: i do yeah. um i i think they have to i i don't think that i know that everything that they've said says that like they would be okay with doing that i don't buy it for a second i do not buy yeah. it for a second that they would be cool with doing levi and lucan and to start the year levi and Comrie to start the i just. I don't buy it i don't buy it for a second because they realize the position they're in they poo-pooed everything about you know if next year's a you know must win you know i i know i know my pal john attacked them about how this was a missed opportunity this year they were like what are you talking about that's crazy but they know and we asked them point blank if they you know if they got to be in the playoffs next year and they're like no oh, we're gonna keep you know we got to keep progressing we got to keep doing our thing it's like the progression is making the playoffs. Exactly. That, that's the progression. Like that's It's backwards if you problem. don't. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and the, the two, the biggest question they have is goaltending. The second biggest question is, is Henry Okahario you your number two defenseman to play with Owen Power? Which my answer is no, which means uh-huh. you're going to go find somebody to be that player as well. But goaltending, if they don't do anything with goaltending in this offseason, It's going to be very uncomfortable in training camp. Like, it's going to be extremely uncomfortable in training camp because everybody's going to be like, oh, we're really, really going to run the kid out there. Okay, we're doing this. All right, well, let's get crazy. But the second something slips up or a guy gets hurt or, you know, Levi gets thrown into the wolves and maybe he struggles a little bit, then you're just like, oh my God, we're playing, you know, we're walking a high wire without a net. That's the spot you don't want to be in if you're Adams because. each of his years as gm and he's done a great job flat out great job goaltending's been not an area of strength because it's it's something's eluded him in one one way or another obviously the olmark thing was was a whole that was a whole other thing like there was some kind of mix up there probably i mean hindsight he should trade it should have traded him at the deadline whatever like you know shit happens but um but like even this past this past uh this past year like you know, Comrie is like, Hey, yeah, nice guy. Great guy. Maybe, he, you know, he's got to get an opportunity to play here. And then it just didn't work. He got hurt. Didn't work. And it's like, okay, well, who's behind him? And it's like, well, it's UPL again. And we kind of forced them right to Rochester immediately and told him, yeah, all right, man, just work it out there. And then he came back up and it's like, well, I guess you're here now. You know, yeah. like everything about it that with UPL has been done to like get him games in, in Rochester. And it's never, it's never played out that way. like. It played out that way what, uh, two years ago, but then he got hurt right before the playoffs started. So, you know, it's something's gotten in the way there every time. So I just I, I can't see them ignoring goaltending this year. I like, agree. Treat it trading Luken in I mean, if it's going to be part of it, I, I assume it's going to be um, because if you're going to bring in somebody, you're bringing a veteran. That team giving up the veterans going to want a younger guy, and I I don't know if Comrie or Hel- or uh, is the guy, but I have to imagine Lukin is probably the guy.
1: Sure, I um I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, and we'll see how it plays out. I don't I think Hellebuck. I think the price might be too much that the Sabres are willing to pay for a guy who's only going to be there for one year. Maybe they'd like to get a a better one B or two goalie for maybe two to three years. So I don't think it's going to be Hellebuck. But I also I'd like to see them do something better than and no disrespect to him because he did play a he had a lot of good things off the ice about him too. But Craig Anderson, like they mm-hmm. hopefully they'll do better. Someone they can depend on more yeah. than that. Uh we'll see how that plays out. But anyway, around hockey, so Toronto loses, so they're out again. Sabres fans, I'm sure, rejoice. Vegas won. Um mm-hmm. Sabres fan not rejoicing over that. Well, maybe may they
2: Oilers losing. Maybe they lose. Yeah, possibly.
1: By the way, Edmonton gone. Our our friends north of the border here. That's thirty years now. that Canada yep. will not have won a a Stanley Cup. And mm-hmm. you brought up something we were chit chatting for just a few minutes before we hit the record button here. Um, yeah, We're like one series away from things going their way from a Jack Eichel versus Sam Reinhart Stanley Cup final. Man, mm-hmm. some Sabres yep. fans their heads might explode at the thought of that.
2: Yeah, it. That's. <laughs> I don't want I don't want Buffalo to become the hockey market where everything becomes about Buffalo like Toronto's kind of that way like oh how does this affect the Leafs. Well, none of this affects the Sabres. It just looks really bad in hindsight. It's the only yeah. thing. Like oh these, these two guys that you couldn't wait to get out of town like within 2 years both go to the Stanley Cup final. Like hmm, that's yeah, a little tough. That's a little tough, especially because the you know the I mean the Panthers roster is like a quarter former Sabres. Granted only two of them really matter. And no offense to Zach Dalby or Eric Stahl. Well, some offense to Eric Stahl, but, uh, but like for, for Reinhardt and Montour, like those are guys they could have built around. I keep thinking, imagine Brandon Montour playing next to Owen Power. Boy, that would have been cool. He was only like one of the top five scorers on defense this year. Hey, sure. That would have been nice. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, and like even, even the, even Vegas, like Eichel's the guy, but like Braden McNabb, William Carrier, those are two. old old old, uh you know farmhand guys guy you know young guys that came up with the team like it's a couple x couple x sabers there's x sabers every on every team except for i think i think maybe carolina carolina is the only one that doesn't have any but nobody in buffalo is cheering for him so like you know whatever
1: (laughs) um switching gears quickly here to a football and by the way i want to remind people on tomorrow's podcast uh i got aaron Quinn with me and we'll have a a much deeper dive into this topic, but real quick, I saw something on Twitter where I can't even remember the outlet, but they were talking about each team's biggest positional week link. And I started thinking about the bills and I'm going to be honest with you, man. And I'm, and this is not being a, this is, I'm not a Homer when it comes to the bills, at least not on this show. I'm no. not anyway. I'm I'm not, not often. Anyway, I'm a fan, <laughs> but I'm not a Homer. Like I will blast the living shit out of them when, when mm-hmm. I feel like it's a deserve. Oh, but do. anyway, I like this roster. And there's not a lot of quote-unquote weak links on this roster. Quarterback, no explanation needed. Running back, and I'm flying through these real quick. I, again, I, I want to get your take on this, but I'll talk with Aaron more about this tomorrow as well. Running backs, look, Damian Harris is pretty good. James Cook's got a lot of upside. I don't think it's a weak link. Wide receiver, say what you want about the depth, but you got Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, who's capable of big things. They got a good tight end, and they drafted one in the first round. Um, defensive tackles, Ed Oliver's pretty good. DeQuan Jones, I love putting Ford. afford Defensive tackle is pretty solid. Linebackers, yeah, they're a mess at middle linebacker right now, but you only got to play two linebackers, and your other linebacker is a first-team all-pro. He's literally one one of the best two linebackers in the NFL last year, so I don't know how you call that position uh, a weak link. Corner's pretty strong. Trey White assuming he's back all the way. Kyrie Elam, first-round pick last year. They got Mm -hmm. good Teron Johnson, one of the best slot corners in the NFL. And then safety, look, long-term, it's a weak position. Right now, though, Give me Micah Hyde and Jordan Boyer healthy for a year. And I love that position. The only position I could come up with, Joe, where I'm like, all right, I think this might be the weak link in this team is offensive line. Mitch Morris is a good center, gets hurt too much. He has concussion issues. You you got a rookie, very likely starting in Torrance. And if not, you got Ryan Bates, who's, I almost feel like he's a super utility player. Like, I don't know if he's a starter. He's a great reserve. He can play a lot of different positions. But anyway, you got McGovern from Dallas, who's all right. Deion Dawkins has been a Pro Bowl, but personally, I don't. I think he's a little bit overrated. I hate saying it that way. I don't think he's bad. I think he's a pretty good right. offensive tackle. I just don't think he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. So that's where I'm going mm-hmm. with that. And then you got Spencer Brown, who looked really bad last year and struggled a lot. And Brandon Bean defended him, and then he backed it up with his actions because they did not sign a right tackle and they did not draft one. You kind of, you kind of feel the same way. Like if there was a, if you had to pinpoint. A positional weakness on this team would be offensive line. I didn't mention defensive line, by the way, only because Von Miller will be back. But if that would probably be my second pick. You know, Greg Rousseau looks good, but they got a bunch mm-hmm. of question marks after him. So it's one of those two somewhere in the trenches. That would be where the Bills probably are weakest on
2: paper, anyway. Right? Yeah, yeah. I I'm with you. The O line is sticks out to me again. You know, yeah. I I thought you know the, some of the moves they made last year. I was like, okay, yeah, I see where you're going with this. All right, you know, and you know, I think everybody thought Saffold was going to be decent you know not right hide your eyes awful um and i think you i think you the assumption was that brown was gonna you know take a step you know because he was pretty solid that first year then it was Mm
1: -hmm.
2: not not so good last year and then you know there's injuries there's all kinds of you know stuff you know dawkins i think dawkins got got uh got attacked uh a lot by opposing defenses where there's kind of like let's overwhelm this guy he can't he can't take everybody um and I, I, I just, I don't know, At, you go back and watch that Cincinnati playoff game and you just see the way the line just gets chewed up, you know, every play. And, you know, I, I get all the, you know, the reasons everybody said why they had a bag. Yeah, I get it. 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 But I think back to a couple of years ago when Joe Burrow is getting flushed out of the pocket every play and getting you know chased down every play and getting hit every other play. Mm-hmm. And what did Cincinnati do? They went out and grabbed like three O O-linemen yep. immediately. Kansas City had their O line fall apart completely, uh, you know, and losing the Super Bowl to Tampa. What did they do? Got like four guys immediately. Spent a they had lot of money again. They, yep. uh, we're not doing that again because that's because you know, like yeah, okay, Allen can run, like that's cool. Mahomes can run too. Burrow can you know, kind of run. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not game. You know, it's not game breaking speed from either of them. Like Allen right. can do that, but like your fallback option can't be like, well, he can get out of it. You know, yeah. like that, <laughs> that can't be your motivation for picking out an offensive line, being like, well, we can, we can kind of, you know, let some things slide here because we know Allen can get out of that. If anything's been proven the last couple of years is that. You don't want Allen doing that. You want him stand being able to stand in the pocket and throw. You want like if he can get out of trouble. You know, once every, you know, every every couple sets downs, like okay, fine. Like that's just that's just the league. But man, I, I he's your biggest investment. Like keep right. him, keep him standing upright. Keep him not having to run constantly. Don't let him be your run game. Right. And what, like so much about it is just, it's just it it just blows my mind that like the O line isn't like. The main thing that they attacked right away. Like, I mean, you know, get Vaughn Miller. Great. Cool. The defense. That's awesome. Take care of Poyer. Great. Cool. That's, that's great. Other areas have question marks. Like I, you know, I think there's questionable depth all around, but the O line, man, is I look at it. I don't, you know, Morse, like you said, Morse is great, but like he's probably going to miss two, three, four games every year. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of in that spot. And I just, I don't know. That's, you're spending the most money on the quarterback. You want you want to yeah. keep the quarterback playing at his peak, and the the way you do that is to have a good line in front of him, and they just don't.
1: Yeah, and and look, man, I'm. I, you have to pick. I'm not saying the the Bills, and I don't think you are. The Bills' offensive line is not garbage. Mm. It's okay, no. but you got to pick a you know a weak point in this team, the weakest positional group, and that's where I land on. I am disappointed that they didn't draft a right tackle early. I really thought they should have taken somebody to to push. Um, Spencer Brown and, you know, and again, we're basing this on what we saw last year. It does appear that they're trying to get more physical. You know, they draft a big mm-hmm. right guard. Uh, they, they take a tight end who's basically going to be a big slot. They will play more two tight end sets now. So we'll see how it goes going forward. But right now, anyway, I would say that that's their, uh, their biggest positional, uh, weakness quickly here, Detroit lions fan here, Joe, you I got a fun fact for you, man. Okay. Ready? The betting favorite to win the NFC North this year is, drumroll, the Detroit Lions are the Vegas betting favorite, plus 145. Uh, The Vikings are at plus 310. And then Chicago and Green Bay are both at uh, plus 350, three and a half to one. So, yeah, man, not even quite one and a half to one. The Detroit Lions are 2023 preseason uh, NFC favorites. How does that make you feel,
2: man? Not good, probably. <laughs> no, it, talk is cheap, man. Like talk is so cheap. I, I listen. They've had a nice off season. They've had a really nice off season. Don't get it twisted. I just, it's very hard for me to to, to buy into I, it. Like it's feels weird. This is so many years of having it just ingrained in my head of like they're gonna screw it up. Like it's gonna fall apart. Like I was having this discussion with a couple of hockey heads on Twitter about um they were talking about you know find a find a team more tortured than i think what was it i think were they talking about the maple leafs or something or the oh no the oakland A's they were like find a find a franchise more haunted than the a's and somebody not me said uh the detroit lions say hello and i'm like yeah yeah everybody else is fighting for <laughs> second for a more for a more haunted awful franchise and they're like oh my god that's right i'm like and then Again, not me pointing it out, saying, like, well, you know, they've won one playoff game since 1961. And I go, they've won one playoff game since 1957. Let's, let's get it right. Yeah. And that playoff game was 31 years ago. Like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> like, the only teams that I'll give a nod to that are as bad or maybe worse off than the Lions are the Cleveland Browns. But nobody feels bad for the Browns anymore after giving Deshaun Watson a giant, massive contract. It's like, totally actually guaranteed. You know what? Art Modell was right for pulling you guys out of there. A <laughs> out of Not go to hell, you guys. But like, even them, like, jeez. I mean, I mean, at least like Cincinnati got off the Schneid, where they had won a, they had won a playoff game less recently than the Lions had. It was like '89 before they won. Well, last year, yeah, it was last year where they won. They finally won a playoff game, and I was like, wow, first time since '89. And I'm like, wow. Detroit back at the bottom, cool. That's neat. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> they were the one team that was propping them up with Cincinnati, and it was like, yeah, you know, I even them. I've watched in the Super Bowl, and they've been in a couple Super Bowls. So like, cool.
1: I'm, I'm telling you, dude. I'm, I'm on board with Detroit this year. I, I like them a lot. It kind of reminds me a little bit, in a way, of the Bills, man. That long playoff drought. Thought they would never get back again, and. Then they became good. I, I just see it come with Detroit. The opportunity see, is certainly there. The opportunity is yeah. absolutely there.
2: Oh, it's it's 100% there. I, I'm glad. Well, I'm not glad you mentioned the, the Bills drought thing. And people, before the Bills became like the, what they are now, people would be like, oh, no, Bills had it way worse than Detroit. Le- Detroit made the playoffs. I go, yeah. And they got embarrassed in every single game. Like every single time they are in there, they lost. Mm-hmm. And got them, like the Bounty Bowl Saints, Tried to murder Matthew Stafford. Like everybody was kind of like, Oh yeah, how'd the Saints get caught on that? I was like, they tried to kill Matthew Stafford on the turf in New Orleans. That's like that's how that got caught. Yeah. And like, and I, I had to point out the stat one time. I was like, How many playoff games do you think the Bills have won since the Lions last had a playoff game? And that's including the 17, 18 year drought. And they're like, Oh, it's got to be pretty close. I go, No, it's like like eight or nine to one bills like okay. and they missed the playoffs for 18 years in that meantime like guys you don't have it that bad yeah i know missing the playoffs sucks bad it's terrible but so is watching your team make the playoffs get their teeth kicked in and then have the league just be like oh yeah they they, they tried to murder everybody on your team well that will we'll show them we'll suspend them for a year like cool thanks thanks guys
1: <laughs> well you know I anticipated and hopeful, of course, that we'll be talking Bills playoff football come next January. And it would be nice to be able to throw Detroit in there and talk about them.
2: Uh, I, wanna, I Like if cool, like, if they make the playoffs. Cool. Win a game, please. Just even if it's disappointing to win one game and then lose in the next round. Great. Sure. Cool. Just, just <laughs> win a game. Win a goddamn game for the first time since I was 12.
1: <laughs> All right. We're going to end with a segment that we debuted last week. It's called make me choose. Pretty simple. I am giving Joe two candidates in a related field. And quite simply, he's just got to choose one, his preference here. Not a lot of like deep thought required. And Joe is hearing these the same time. Like I said, last week, sometimes we do some stuff and I'd kind of tell you what we're going to be doing. So you can prepare for a little bit. This, mm-hmm. he's got no idea, no earthly idea. Fine. He's hearing these the same time as you do. So we got, I got six of them for you, two okay. candidates. You give me uh your winner. Let's start with, uh, and uh, this one should probably be pretty hard wrestling. Uh, the attitude Era. I, I think both for both of us, probably our favorite era of wrestling stone cold versus the rock. Pick
2: one, choose one, make me choose. I was way more of a rock fan. Yeah. I love, like, listen, go me wrong. Stone cold's awesome. Love them. He was great. Mm-hmm. I was way more of a rock fan. Rock was such a better shit talker. Yeah. And like the swagger, the cockiness, like everything about it was just like, dude, every, and like, he was the one guy that like every time he would come out and it, like, he didn't need to be wrestling. He just had to come out and just give him the mic, let him roll. Yeah. Like, yep. no, I was, I, I was, I was firmly, uh, firmly a Rocky guy, even though like I, I, Austin's amazing. Like it, I, sure. both guys, their stories are are incredible how they came up. You know, everybody hated Rocky. Yep. Like, Rocky. My was like vehemently hated by fans. And then he yep. just started talking shit and then everybody's like, Oh, this guy's amazing. Yep. Austin, you know, I mean, the Hollywood Blondes and WCW, you know, stunning Steve Austin, all that shit. And then he just comes out and just starts whooping everybody's ass. And it was great. It was awesome. But like, man, I, I, I'm firmly a, a, a guy for the rock, but like, it's a hard choice. I made it, it sound hard. easy. It's a hard choice, but I, I, I'm, I'm pro-Rocky.
1: So am I. I'm pro rock as well. Love Stone Cold, obviously. Just I don't know, every now and then, the stuff with him and Vince would get a little bit tired. It's yeah. like, all right, here we go again. Rock's stuff felt like his, his angles there were more of them. It just felt a little more fresher. So I'm Team Rock as well. Um, Two legendary actors here mm-hmm. Al Pacino versus Robert De Niro. These aren't meant to be easy. If I do my no. job right, that means that you have to think for oh, these for a quick second.
2: See, what kills me with, with, with these is that um, so much of like the recency, it's not biased because most of the stuff they've done, like both of these guys have done recently, haven't been that very good. So you got to think about it and like, the meat of everything that they did that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I lean Pacino because I, I, I mean, Pacino got to be like kind of cartooned. Like became kind of a cartoon later on in his career, but like you know, just all the sure. shouting, the blah, blah 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 blah. But like, I don't know, man. There is there's there was a such a long run of where if you told me in the movie, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Let's let's see what this is about. Whereas, and this is I'm not knocking De Niro. De Niro is incredible, I, and he's De Niro's done some really, like I mean, going back like mid 80s late 80s early 90s he did some stuff where you're just kind of whoa this dude did this I'm like all right that's, that's pretty impressive um it, it, like once he started getting into like the uh the analyze this or uh sorry the um uh the the mafia the mafia one with uh with ben stiller oh uh, um,
1: no. meet the parents that? that meet the, parents. the, meet the yeah,
2: parents yeah one? yeah 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 that like i get it like everybody's got a we got to cash a check. I I understand. So I get it. But like, <laughs> I don't know, man, like he started making more of those kinds of movies. And then by the time the Irishman came out, it was kind of like, dude, like sure. I don't need a three hour movie about, you know, I mean, Irishman was fine. I didn't think it was an Oscar worthy movie, but like, I don't know. Right. I was, was kind of, I was, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was his best. He got nominated. Like everybody got nominated for that movie. I just didn't think it was that great of a movie. So like, whatever. I I so you lean Pacino, then. Pacino, yeah.
1: You pick Pacino. All right, I I would probably flip a coin. Probably would say De Niro. You know, if I would ask you this question twenty years ago, this would have been an all-time barn burner. It would have been oh, so God, hard because yeah. they were such legends. I agree with you. As time goes on and they make sillier cash grab movies mm-hmm. when they get older, it kind of waters it down a uh, a little yeah. bit. But still, two to, of the for me ever. the
2: the the peak though is when they're both together in the same scene in Heat. Yeah, Heat, Heat is an all Heat is a top five movie as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Like that is an all time incredible movie. Like an all time cast, and those two guys both just bring it yeah. hard in that movie. And like Pacino, Pacino is so good in that movie. De Niro is great too. So is Val Kilmer. So is everybody in that movie. <laughs> Everybody's great in that movie.
1: I remember like, we Pacino did. We was so damn good. We did one of when we had one of our drafts. I remember you took that really high in one of our drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so TV sports play by play
2: jim nance or joe buck Ooh, um everybody hates joe buck and i kind of get it i kind of understand like it's you know he's on every call um i'm gonna say jim nance jim nance jim nance what am i saying nance? jim nance, jim, jim nance. <laughs> uh no i'm saying jim nance because uh he's so he's so level and buck's good i just i can't get I can't get the the video and the highlight out of my head where he's shaming Randy Moss for fake mooning fans in Lambeau Field, which I'm like, dude, everybody wants to do that. Everybody <laughs> wants to actually moon fans in Green Bay. And like Randy Moss was just kind of like, whatever, kiss my ass, guys. Like, yeah, amazing. Instead, he's just like, I apologize to the people at home. Like, shut up, please. I, I, uh, Jim Nance I, never had to do any of that stuff. Like, come on.
1: I, I lean Jim Nance um, as well. I would have picked him. All right. Two hockey icons. Maybe this will be easy. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Wayne Gretzky versus Mario Lemieux. I'm Gretzky. Yeah. I, listen, I figured I, that.
2: I've been on that. That war has raged online for ages, ages and ages and ages. Mario is an, an unbelievable player. He was a mold breaker. He was a massive guy. Like everybody forgets how big Mario was. He was like 6'4", mm-hmm. two hundred whatever pounds. Like a freak of nature. Nobody was that big playing center in the league, and he just scored constantly. But Gretzky's the guy where the NHL was like, "Hey, get him in California. We can expand." And they did. And then yeah. all these teams popped up. Like, sure. I mean, you know, Mario would do that? Like, I mean, Mario could have done that, I guess. But like, you know, and I'm not going to hold Mario's health stuff against him. Like, that's just stupid. Like the injuries. You know, he had you know non Hodgkins lymphoma, all that stuff. Like, whatever. He's an incredible athlete, incredible player. I I'm happy to say I've gotten to see Mario play. It live and in person like when he was actually in the league i never got to see gretzky saw gretzky on tv a gazillion times when he got traded out of edmonton i was like 10 years old i hated it hated him for it but then i was like ah oh, dude this guy rules like he's just he's yeah. he was amazing and i know like people like people get shitty on gretzky now because it's like ah oh, well nobody was a good goalie back then nobody could play blah 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 it's like Dude, the guy still put up 217 points in the season. Like like, everybody was bad, but he was the best. Like he was the best by miles, miles and miles and miles. And Mario was the only guy that really came close. Yeah, I agree with him. You know, I will will give Mario credit though. He was the first guy people openly tanked for, and Pittsburgh did it. Yeah. Like him, like them, Pittsburgh and New Jersey were both like right in the running, like to get the number one pick. And Jersey was like, no. Lula Amorello was like, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that." Pittsburgh was like, "Yeah, we'll see you at the bottom, guys. Later, we'll have Mario." <laughs> Changed everything. Look, man, I love Mario as well, dude.
1: All time great player, and I know some people out there would definitely pick him and say that he was the more talented or better all around player. Sure. But fuck that, I, I'm not going against Wayne Gretzky. Simple as that. <laughs> all right, two more here. You could have your pick here. You can either live in a pro sports town, like say, for an example, Buffalo. Just to use an example, don't have to be Buffalo, but a team where it's a pro sports town, you got your mm-hmm. NHL team, you got your NBA team, or you can live in a big time college town, like mm-hmm. say South Bend or something like that, where Notre Dame is religion. So you can live either in, in a town that, you know, is mainly a pro sports town or, you, and they don't have, and, and college ain't shit there or you can live in a town where it's all about the college and they really don't even care that much about pro sports.
2: No pro sports town for me. I I used to love college sports like big time, big, big. I used to be a huge college football fan, Mm -hmm. college basketball, all that stuff. And then you get a little bit older and you start seeing the business side of things happening more. And everybody's being shitty about like student athletes and stuff. It's just like, what the hell's wrong with this thing? This, This is gross. At yeah. least pro sports is very upfront about like, yeah, no, people are getting paid, and just you know we do whatever it takes to win, like okay, cool, College, it was all done with this fake front of like, oh, these are amateur players, they're doing it for the love of the game, and I'm like, yeah, and you guys are making billions off their backs, you clowns, get out of my face, <laughs> pro sports, a hot pro sports city is an unreal vibe, like any like buffalo when the bills are going is nuts like sabers wait till the sabers get in the playoffs man like this the well, i know spring, i can't this, wait like, spring and summer is gonna be wild here um but like i mean jesus i know new york city's you can't compare anything to new york city but like dude when the knicks started winning games in the playoffs the whole city is just like oh sure, shit, sure. here we go knicks now like it sets the rest of the country on fire with it because people either love the Knicks or they freaking hate them. Same yeah. with the Yankees. Met, you know, Mets, you know, Mets are tend to be a little bit more beloved than the Yankees um, for obvious reasons. But, um, but like any of those teams get in and it's kind of like, all right, all right. Like it commands your attention. Sure. Like it, it absolutely dominates your attention. So like a big pro sports city is way, way better.
1: I, I completely agree with you, but I also think that we might have some bias based on where we live and where we grew up. I'm telling you now, I spent five years in Florida, and I promise you 75% of Floridians would say college. Oh, yeah. Pros. But so I, I I do think it matters in our case, and I agree with you. I'm hundred percent here, uh, pro sports town. All right, one more. Two different types of singers, but female singers, mm-hmm. iconic ones too. Stevie Nicks or Ann Wilson from from heart. Mm
2: both amazing voices i no, i gotta go stevie nicks like ann yeah. wilson's a great rock voice like, that's a great rock voice and like she's snuck in on some like grunge stuff too Like uh mm-hmm. there's like uh there's um uh there's an allison chains track from like uh, one of their eps um that she's on where it's kind of like oh shit okay I'm sneaking in ann wilson there. you know just because it's like seattle and they're like yeah whatever just get in there you own this song uh but stevie next to it like it's just a it's just a massive talent just a massive personality just everything like everything about her is just cool as shit like all the witchy stuff like spooky like whatever man that's cool as hell and then you know i mean obviously all the drama with fleetwood mac and everything was 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 wild but like uh but even like her on her solo stuff was her solo stuff's incredible like that's that's what really wins it for me is that she was just able to do it and like she just crushed everything. So yeah, Stevie Nicks for me.
1: I think uh our friend on Twitter, Taylor, um that uh, <laughs> would definitely. I think she would kick the <laughs> shit out of you if you would if you would have picked uh if you would have not picked Stevie Nicks. I'm telling everything you said is true, but I still just something about Ann Wilson and that power mm-hmm. in her voice, man. It just it does it for me. One of my favorite, not just female, just one of my favorite power singers mm-hmm. of all
2: time. Um Period. So are you going to go see uh, Nancy Wilson's heart up at, I playing at one of the casinos? I think sometime. I didn't even
1: know about it. You know what? It. I am going I'm to see board. You know what? I am going to see. I just bought tickets this week. We're getting out of here now. Uh, Brian Adams. He's coming to the key bank oh, nice. center. They're, it's um $25. dude. they have some kind of concert week or something? $25 tickets for a bunch of concerts. And one of them was Brian Adams with uh, Joan Jett opening up as well. Nice. I bought Damn. tickets for my wife just, uh, just on Saturday. She sent me the link. Two minutes later, I got them. Section 121, too. Like, these are pretty good seats, man. Wow. 20, 50 bucks for two seats. So, my man, Jeez. Brian Adams, I'm pumped to go see that. That's so, cool. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's going to do it for this show. By the way, make sure you go to NotedHockey.com and uh, subscribe to Joe's Noted Hockey, man. Five bucks per month. Cannot go wrong. Check out Main State Podcasts. Joe, alongside um Lance Lozowski of the Buffalo News. When they drop it, go on Joe's Twitter. He's all they always got links up there. At
2: Joe Yurden.
1: Thanks, buddy. Always fun talking to you, man.
2: Yeah, it was a good show. Good, good times and good talking. And uh, yeah, glad glad you got got me to uh, kind of like sound off about the lions a little bit. Because <laughs> Jesus, it's gonna be a long season already, I can tell.
1: Talk to you guys tomorrow. Aaron Quinn from Cover One will be on with me.